and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 525. What are we talking about tonight? A whole lot of this and that. <laughs> Hodgepodge. <laughs> this, that, and the other thing. <laughs> uh, what should we start with? Well, well, let's start with the stuff that's freshest in your mind, because Chad actually just saw The Flash, the movie. So we might as well. So we yeah. might we might as well get some some insights into Chad's thoughts. And yes, it's pretty safe to say this se- this segment will be will have some spoilers in it. <laughs> yes, yes, it will. Um, when Mark says I uh, just saw the Flash, I mean I literally just saw the Flash like ten minutes before we started recording. The uh, the movie ended, uh, and that was the plan. Uh, so long story short. Thanks to the Twitter account, DC Comics News, Uh, they had a tweet. They were giving people, you know, doing a giveaway for some digital codes to the Flash movie. Um, I hadn't yet seen it. So I was like, what the hell? I tweeted. I won. A couple of other people won, too. So, you know, I redeemed that today while I was working. I was like, I'll watch it after work. And I just saw the Flash. So, man, what a stupid movie. Look, there were some good parts. I'm not going to like say it's a, a wholly unredeemable movie or anything like that. Um, just jumping straight into it. I uh, I thought some of the stronger points were obviously the more emotional beats um, that talk between, um, you know, that present, quote unquote, Barry and uh, and Batman uh, in the Batcave about you know, their parents and stuff like that. The, the supermarket scene in, in, in both iterations of it, you know, stuff like that, the stuff that happened in the, what do they call it? The chrono bubble or the chrono, whatever sphere. sphere. Was it, it might, it might've been bubble. I, I'm not bubble and sphere to me are the same, but it, it might've, it, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, but you know, obviously that was interesting. You know, it was over pretty quickly. Um, but, you know, and the 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 choice of how the multiverse is animated is strange, but not necessarily out of character, I guess, was something along the lines of of a multiverse theory. I mean, how do you really animate that? I, I don't know. Uh, I, it, it was strange to me, but. Maybe we're just used to other portrayals of multiverse stuff, and that's why it looks strange. But man, some of the the comedy and the humor and stuff in here was fell super flat for me. I told Mark, I was like, look, I need to smoke something to watch the rest of this because this is <laughs> this is like, you know, you see something and you if you've ever smoked in your life, you know, you're like, look, 
I can uh, I I can't enjoy this unless I am somehow inebriated, whether it's alcohol or what. So uh, I was watching this and I was quite literally rolling my eyes at points um, with some of this stuff. Uh, and I just the I want hero humor in my superhero movies. I want humor in a DC movie because I think the DC universe should be a little more lighthearted and brighter and you know uh we're talking you know and it's the it's quite literally the theme for the james gunn uh or so he says this whole gods and monsters concept of you know the the dc universe heroes the thing that differentiates them from the mcu is these these heroes are for the most part more god-like than um than the mcu heroes they're you know, a you know, a sun god, a goddess, a god of speed, you know, like, you know, and so on and so forth. If you if you want to take those adaptations or names that way. Um, but it's not without humanity, it's not without humor, it's not without, you know, strife and stuff like that. But it doesn't have to be dick and fart jokes and stuff like that. Like it just bugged the shit out of me watching this movie. And the way it ended too, um, <sighs> Yeah, it was uh, almost a non-ending, uh, and I I don't know, man. I felt like I didn't learn much from this movie. I didn't uh, enjoy much from this movie other than some cool action sequences and emotional beats. The emotional beats I mentioned, obviously, a lot of the action beats happen in the in the war and the stuff with Russia. But I mean, also, um, I think uh, you know there were some cool you know it it flashes speed bothers me a little bit the way it's portrayed here but again that may be just because we're used to the whole time stops thing and flash is just a streak running through the city and everything else is at a standstill thing which was popularized of course in the flash tv show but also we've seen it in other media so seeing the whole you know light stretching and phasing and you know all that whole thing uh speaking of phasing the animation when he first carries uh, uh, past Barry through the wall or whatever showing the molecules kind of phasing through each other that was really cool to see um, and the Supergirl stuff I I thought she was a very strong point in this movie I really loved that character I loved the way the actress portrayed her but I didn't get anything out of this movie like do I regret seeing it probably not uh, I definitely probably would have uh, regretted setting time aside to go see it in the theater. Um, but doing it this way, you know, it, I don't think I'm ever going to regret seeing a DC comics movie. Cause I'm such a DC fan, but I didn't get anything out of this. I'm not entirely sure. I will rewatch this movie anytime soon. I'm sure I'll put it on at some point because like anything else, sometimes it's good to see the, the the action or something or have something on in the background i'm sure i'll watch it but i don't think i'm ever going to purposefully sit down to watch it ever again i know i will watch it again once it's on max i'll watch it again uh i don't know if i'll i don't know if i'll buy it i don't think there's a need for me to buy it but that's being pretty consistent because i don't own many dc movies period actually so it's it's continuing to trend I want to see it again. I there are there are some things that really work well in in the movie. I think, but I do think 
and this is where you have to question the probably the modification some of the modifications made to this movie as things went along and as we're finding out with aquaman it's aquaman is delayed yet again and they're going to be doing more reshoots which makes you wonder what's the point of even releasing it that just like there's been like three different three different versions of batman or something that have been coming. i don't mean to interrupt you but I, you said aquaman i literally forgot it was coming out well now you can go back to forgetting <laughs> forgot it was it, happening because because it got since it got pushed out of December again, there's literally we're like, I think you're up to like your third your third Batman cameo or whatever that was been filmed and 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 cut out since Michael Keaton was supposed to be the Batman at the end of the Flash, which then was going to carry over into Aquaman, and then they changed the ending of that movie. So then it was going to be that, and the first correction, I think first it was the I think first it was the Affleck Batman originally that was going to be in it, and I think they cut that out to put in Michael Keaton and then that got cut out or vice versa. But either way that it's just, I, I think that kind of screwing around trying to not promise a universe that they know that's not, that's not going to be the main one that's going to continue, even though there's still always a possibility for, for an else world's story that I think that had an effect in screwing around with this movie. I think it at least would have been better to have the Michael Keaton Batman be the one at the end since Bar- since as, Corwin and I talked about since Barry is consistently too stupid to figure out that even doing what he's doing after he seemingly learned the lesson that he's teaching young Barry not to screw around with time. And there are some things you can't fix. He still fucks around with time again and and not paying attention to anything Michael Keaton told him about how how it's not just creating an alternate timeline from that moment forward. It basically is like sending temporal waves in both directions and you change the future and the past that he still doesn't friggin' learn the lesson or else he wouldn't have done anything other than put then put the can of tomatoes back after he saw his previous self put it in the put it in the cart and that's all you could do still wouldn't guarantee the timeline would go back to normal but it's the best you could do and instead he screws around with it you know multiple ways and then you get it then you still change your world still would have been better to have the to have michael keaton be that batman have supergirl show up and i don't know they're I I agree. Ultimately, it was pretty non-consequential for a movie that seemed to promise big stakes under any circumstance. And it just seems like all you can really know for sure is that if James Gunn hadn't basically come in as the new architect, the only thing that still probably would have changed is that we would have Michael Keaton and we would have Sasha Kaye in the main DCU. So so it still was not going to be... And and the whole... And the whole post-credit scene with Aquaman, which seemingly, honestly, was just a way of justifying the Aquaman movie coming out. Why a you might care a little, and b to also justify if they're going to keep Jason Momoa in the new modified DCU, which is stupid since he's not Aquaman really anyway, but based on what he should be. That that seems like that. Those are the only reasons those scene that that scene is in the movie at all. But. Yeah. In inconsequential is right. Look, I, I I ragged on it a lot and I stand by everything I said, but uh there were lots of moments I disliked. There were lots of moments I liked. I think there were more moments I disliked than I liked, but I don't hate this movie. I just don't care about this movie. As it, it it did nothing to me watching it. I didn't I didn't learn anything about the characters. Uh, in the universe, uh, it really didn't feel true to Barry for me in a lot of ways. Um, 
uh, I just maybe I just also don't like Ezra as as Barry or the Flash here. Um, I just uh, you know it 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 didn't mean anything in the grand scheme of where this universe is heading. It didn't mean anything to me as a as a film standing on its own. Um, and I didn't really learn or see anything new as a DC fan, just in general, taking in a DC movie going, Oh, that's new or whatever, other than maybe seeing Supergirl utilized well on the big screen. So. And I think ultimately besides the Ezra Miller garbage and baggage, I meant to say it's Freudian slip. I meant to say baggage, but garbage is appropriate too, based on what all the stuff that went down that I think between the Ezra Miller stuff and knowing that, that, the DCU that existed is gone is one is gone, even if it turns out to be more of a soft reboot to, at the end of the day. It's not doesn't exist the way it did before. That that made that that made the interest and in, that for most people, I think. They were hoping that the nostalgia, they were hoping the Michael Keaton factor, they were hoping the multiverse drama would be enough to to offset the fact that this is still taking place in the universe that really isn't going to continue anymore are not going to be the one that we're going to follow. Technically it will, it will technically it will continue in a way because it's a multiverse, but it's not going to be the universe we're going to follow anymore that there is, there wasn't much of an interest. I think ultimately that's the, probably the, those Ezra Miller and that were probably the main reasons why this movie tanked so horribly at the box office. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I wasn't there for it. it wasn't for me. Um, cool slash interesting seeing the different uh universes represented in the kind of colliding uh moments and the tears in the fabric of space time and all of that um that was kind of interesting to see as and of course seeing nicholas's nicholas cage's suit version of superman um and all of that uh was interesting at best i guess but yeah uh i just um Yeah, the high point for me, I think, probably was Supergirl and a couple of action sequences here and there, but mm, not my cup of tea. No, I could definitely understand that. Yeah. Should we we jump from one flash to another? Yeah, that's that's the main reason. That's the main reason once we decided to include you watching this in (laughs) it. That was the main, that was the additional bonus, because then we could segue into the the other flash thing that we knew we had wanted to talk about, even which uh, yeah. probably probably from an ending perspective, isn't much more satisfying, but at least we know at one point it was. Yeah. Uh, I finally finished the flash. I actually started a complete rewatch several weeks ago uh, and finally, you know, it just because I had stopped watching regularly purposefully, you know, kind of maybe around season six or seven uh, because like I remember seeing every episode of season six and maybe like the first half of seven because I was, I don't know. It might've been pandemic related catching up on the CW app. Uh, definitely watching stuff after I bought the Blu-ray and stuff like that, but we got to a certain point and then I just stopped watching it regularly. And then of course they announced that it was going to end with season nine. Uh, so, you know, I just didn't really make much of an effort to watch the flash uh, but because season nine was out and done and a hundred percent finished series is over. I was like, you know what? I remember I really did enjoy the flash from the beginning. So I'm going to go watch it from the beginning all the way to the, to the, to the now released final episode of the final season. And, um, 
God, that thing ended so badly. Uh, the, talk about taking something that really had a lot of potential and just shitting all over it with really bad writing. Um, uh, the it's hard to it's hard to say what's performances and what's writing for some of this stuff, but like I'm thinking of the moment that Frost got introduced to Chillblain, and I remember having this being one of my reasons for going, I'm just done watching the flash regularly back in season seven is that whole, like, you know, he's shirtless and he's like, Hey, you're thinking of me, you know, like that machismo bullshit. It was so badly done. Uh, you know, her stealing glances at him and I, I, it was, it was cringe. It was awful. It was, it was, it was worse than teenage level humor. It, I'm, I was done with it at that point. But then we we got those the the forces the still force and the strength force and the I don't know whatever the psychic force thing is. Um, but we decided that we were going to treat them as Barry and Iris's children, and that we're a family and we're like they're doing the whole family thing as much as they would be doing it with maybe Nora or Bart, which. Introducing Bart later on was cool. That was, I'm not saying that the last couple of seasons weren't without some cool point, points like Bart, um, and, and getting Jay back more and stuff like that. But holy God, uh, some of that stuff was just really bad. And then like, was it season eight or the last part of season eight and then into season nine? It was like every episode they kept saying level up. Flash, you've leveled up recently. Cecile, you've been really leveling up. I don't know what the fuck it is with the leveling up thing, but that was done to death for some fucking reason, and it was ridiculous to hear. Um, And in the final episode, Cecile flew for some reason. She could fly. What? When? Where? Why? Um, And not to mention, you, you, you bring... You bring all in the final episode, you bring all of the the big speedsters back and you wipe them out in five minutes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I get it that Flash has gotten progressively faster and faster and faster, but that doesn't mean that, you know, Caitlin uh, or the goddess or Keon or, or whoever the fuck we're calling her or Cecile or anybody else should be able to easily dispatch zoom and Godspeed and all of the others while flash is dealing with reverse flash. That made no sense. Uh, and it just ended. And I was just like, what just happened? Because the Flash started off so strong and we built this universe and we kind of threw the legends into it with the Firestorm stuff. And we tied things together really well with Felicity and the Atom when they would come to visit. And like there was lots of cool. Yes, it was still CW and there was some teenage angst and the whole stuff was bullshit with the whole like. I've got a secret and I can't tell her because it happens every fucking time. And then the secret ends up backfiring and people end up pissed because that's just the plot for every CW show ever. Um, regardless of whether it's superhero based or not. But then we got into this rut with big new bad speedster villain of the season. And it got progressively worse and worse and worse. But then it got like, they switched it up with also timeline stuff. They're like, Oh, 
Iris is going to die. We're going to change the future. Oh, Barry's going to disappear in crisis. Oh, we've got to change the future. Like, holy shit. It just got really repetitive and it got progressively worse and worse and worse. Um, and there were some good moments towards the end, like that arrow episode where we saw Ollie again, um, was had some weird moments, but I thought was well done. Um, but holy crap, man, that, that show really ended on a whimper for me. I think it was still probably. In terms of looking at Legends, in terms of looking at Arrow, in terms of looking at Stargirl and Batwoman and the other shows, I still think Flash had the most good seasons or good episodes out of their run. So maybe, quote unquote, it's the best show. But man, did it really, because you think of it that way, or at least I, because I thought of it that way it felt like it just petered out for a show about a speedster man. Did it cross the finish line? Just gasping for breath. It's hard to know exactly when it could, it's going to mileage will vary. The opinions will be individualized about when exactly the show went off the rails. Uh, I know a lot of people like to point fingers at when they first introduced Nora, and I assume they assume I assume they mean the original Nora, which is a more more confusion too, since it's like the first Nora. It's like no, there's a now now it's Nora, but it's a different Nora kind of now with Bart being the son and blah. But now I because Jessica Parker Kennedy was so adorable um, that it was kind of hard for me to. Yeah, she was stupid and did and made stupid mistakes, but she was her father's daughter, <laughs> so it fit because Barry wasn't any brighter. Uh, so, but I I don't know. I just think the last couple of seasons went really went off the rails. Like when when Iris was stuck like in the uh, mirror dimension or whatever, and it's like that just sucked. That seemed to just yeah. suck the life out of it. I think to me that might have been when it really started going really started going off the rails and making it difficult to watch, and then and just. And just generally speaking, once they made Barry and Iris so connected at the hip, that once they made those two so connected at the hip, it was like the worst aspect, I think, as I mentioned before, it's like the worst aspects of the Rocky-Adrian relationship. They're like the worst aspects of codependency, where it's not, not like it's a support system, where it's like you literally can't function without the other person. That that's, that's yeah. when it gets, that's when it becomes problematic. And in, in that, and that's, there were certainly a lot of elements in this show over the last few seasons. I watched the last season, except for maybe one episode. I watched it pretty regular, pretty close to when each episode dropped. In fact, I think, and this is why I couldn't remember, was, I think I watched the last episode actually when it premiered. I don't think I even watched it on the app. All the other episodes, I think I watched it like on Thursday night because they always waited two friggin' days to put it on the app or whatever. But I always watched it on the CW app probably like within a day or two of, of it first going on. And I think I watched the final episode actually on the CW itself. And it, but I watched it and it was like, it was just so anticlimactic. There were some, there were some decent episodes in it, but it just, I don't know. It's, and the fact that Cisco wasn't back at all, mm-hmm. that got, that, that kind of sucked. And yeah, when they brought back reverse, when they brought back Wells and you thought at least that was going to have some relevance and it's like, no, not really. Not, not at oh, all. Time, timeless Wells? Reverse Flash Wells, if that's okay. the one you mean, yeah. 
Um, uh, no, I, I meant timeless wells, the one that can just dissipate into time energy. Like the it's supposedly the the original wells. I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm I'm talking about I'm talking about reverse flash because Lord knows we've seen enough wells, which was which was a nice it was a nice gimmick, you know. So we so what's his face? Kavanaugh can stick around season after season. I had no problem yeah. with that. That was a nice original take on. Plus, if from an acting exercise perspective, it, it must have been somewhat appealing because of the fact that you're playing you're playing a character which has some it's like playing dif- different versions of of superheroes in the multiverse. It's like it's it's not it's not the same character, but there's elements of the same character. So you can still kind of have fun with it. It's. It did peter out. At least they, I mean, I'm glad they got to end, quote unquote, on their own terms, even though it wasn't much of an ending. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it was a, a show like many shows that probably went on like a year, a season or two too long. But no, I also think the, the thing that happened that bothered me a lot too was Barry kept doing this thing where he wasn't listening to anybody the further the show went on, because like I'm thinking of, you know, you you, you get these kind of growing pains and stuff like that. And anytime you have like a new team coming together where it's like, I don't trust this person or you have someone just, you know, recently betray you. I don't trust anyone like, you know, this whole not listening to either Joe or not listening to the advice of Cisco or Caitlin or whatever. But then. Like you get past a certain point and like the team is kind of there. And even if you have new people come onto the team, they're clearly doing their part. But Barry is just pushing people hard against the advice of his teammates. Like I'm thinking of when we got introduced to the forces in that moment when they got um, the woman who I, I forget her name, but who inhabited the strength force and her alternate was called Fuerza or whatever. but. Barry was insistent on pushing her and try and training her. And Caitlin was like, Barry back off. Like she, she, she's new to this. She doesn't know. He's like, no, but she's got it. She's got, and he kept pushing. And there were moments like that in almost every subsequent season from then on. Uh, And each time it was like, how has Barry not learned at this point? I, it, it was it was a frustrating thing to see from your lead character because like look it's a TV show and stuff and you, regardless whether it's TV or movies or whatever there has to be a sense of drama there has to be some conflict or whatever but it doesn't have to be done at the detriment of the character growth that we've seen in subsequent uh, in in previous episodes in previous seasons. It just kept coming off worse and worse. It's not like, oh, it's the new conflict that Barry has to learn to trust or go easy on so-and-so and so-and-so. It's just like, why does he keep having to learn this lesson? And it was getting more and more obvious each time it happened. There is at least you have to admire consistency because if there's one thing that Barry had shown throughout the whole show is that he's more than capable of making the same mistakes over and over and over again, which is why it's... Which is why it's funny, you know. It's it's all it's almost sadly acceptable when the, when Ezra does the same stupid kind of shit in the, in the movie because yeah. we're so used to seeing Grant Gustin, who is a better ver, still not really Barry Allen, like from I think from the comic books, but closer. That he 
that we're so used to seeing him incapable of learning from his mistakes, especially when it comes to screwing around with time, that when 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 Ezra does it in the movie, it's like okay, even though it just ruins a nice seem a, a nice amount of seemingly well developed character development, well some character development for the character and the learning about that you have to accept the way things are and you can't solve every problem and then he turns around and he screw and he shows that he can't. So I think I. There is a, and again, I don't necessarily think that's indicative of the comic book Barry, but we know that's been the the certainly the version of in the media of of Barry that we've seen over uh like the last ten years or so. It's pretty much hey Barry, Barry makes a lot of dumb mistakes, and he doesn't learn from them. Yeah, no, and 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 it started early, but it was at least it was it was understandable early, but like even when when Wally got his powers, he was, you know, trying to push Wally. We got to train Wally. And it was partly because he didn't want to, he was, he was not trusting what was happening with, um, with Savitar and, and Flashpoint and all that stuff. And he's like, well, if, you know, it's, it's actually not a good thing that Wally has speed. And then it transitioned into no, he's got to be the one to save Iris and stuff like that. And that was like, what, that was season three. And don't, don't remember at this point. <laughs> and, and, and like, and that's like, okay, the first, you know, one of the first times you're seeing that, you know, obviously he, his mistrust and everything after what happened with reverse flash in season one. Uh, and then it happened again at the end of season two with zoom and, and Jay. Um, so like, you know, he's getting hit and he's getting hit and he's getting hit. But, you know, at some point you get hit enough, you learn your goddamn, you, you burn your hand enough, you learn not to touch the fucking stove. And it's just like, I don't know. It was, it was, uh, I, I, I still like the flash. I think I'll still probably go back and watch maybe like, I don't know, seasons one through five or something like that in the future um on occasion that first season you know it obviously had its growing pains and its issues and stuff like that but that was a such a strong first season uh i really did like the second season too um despite the fact that we you know it was the first of the oh another bad speedster <laughs> um it, it you know we got the earth 2 stuff and as a dc fan i got to see more and more characters represented and stuff like that so um that was cool um but yeah, I just um I I didn't hate the ending of the TV show Flash despite again how much venom I'm throwing at it. The venom is there because I was so disappointed in comparing the wonderful show, a DC show that we got in those first few seasons versus what it ended up being. <laughs> and it's just like wow, it sucked that we just we got nothing out of that at the end of the, at the end of the, the a nine season run. Uh, it deserved a much better ending than it got. I agree. I think, I think that's probably the most and the build up towards the final episode, you would think you would think there would have been something at least in that episode that would have been more consequential or more interesting. And especially when you have all those, all, all those speedsters put together, you would think that was going to, that would actually be pretty cool. And it's like, it was like, eh, 
it's like the the CW equivalent of us. Hey, let's give General Grievous four lightsabers so he can lose three of them all, all as quickly as humanly possible. <laughs> 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 like this is real cool, but it's really impractical. So let's wipe them out real quickly. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Do we want to go to the next live action thing? The trailer. Yeah. I, I was hoping you meant the trailer because we probably figured we can probably we can at least get a decent amount of this done in this segment. Um, oh yeah, so let's let's discuss the Marvels trailer, which following the great the the current direction of Marvel itself, they decided to release drop this trailer like at midnight, where like friggin' nobody's knows <laughs> that it's being released and almost nobody was gonna watch it. I think I happened to be up. And I and I was just looking on YouTube, and all of a sudden, I saw I saw it like pop up as one of the on my page. It's like they just dropped another trailer, and it's like, hey, this is the official, this is the, the official site, so it must be real. This trailer is this trailer is still pretty good. I think the first trailer is was more fun. This trailer obviously tries to do the best they can to rehabilitate Carol Danvers to try to make her likable. Though at the same time, they're still making it clear, which makes sense, that this movie is going to rise and fall on Monica and Kamala. <laughs> that if you like Monica and Kamala in this movie, even if you don't know, even if you didn't pay much attention to them in, during the TV shows, but if you like the way they come across in the trailer or if you go see it once and you fall in love with those characters, that's what's going to make this movie either work or not work. And they're counting on that because you can tell just by the nature of the interaction that <laughs> it's like they they know she's they know Carol Danvers isn't, isn't carrying this movie on her own and the interest isn't there based on the movie they put together you get a little bit more about the plot um about the chick who clearly is in her, is basically taken over for Ronan the accuser and one this movie also hints at something that's supposed to be true which is between the trailer doesn't make it really make a lot of sense when they said they're all oh, there Though, again, it's a clip potentially taken out of context because you don't necessarily know who Carol Danvers is talking to. You just naturally assume she's talking to Kamala and to Monica. But when they make that quote about that she wants that the villain is trying to destroy every world that we that we call home, that this movie supposedly does tie into the multiverse, which you wouldn't get up to this point through any of the trailers. But it's supposed to be multiverse related. So it is actually so it being in the multiverse saga actually makes like in theory makes more sense than Love and Thunder and uh, Shang-Chi and arguably even the Eternals, things like that. It may actually make sense based on the plot of this movie, but it looks okay. I don't I don't know what to make out of this movie. Sometimes I think they should have just done like uh, Goose, Captain Marvel 2. (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> i care more about goose and the florkins than i do about carol danvers but i i want to be i want to like this movie on some level i still don't think it's going to do particularly well i don't think they think it's going to do particularly well but i you can see that there's some chemistry there the way at least with monica and maybe Malika. And Monica and Kamala, at least, and we don't know about with Carol because we don't know how much chemistry, based on the character she has, that Brie Larson has with any of these people, since she's never really interacted with any of them before they made this movie. I'm ca- I'm cautiously optimistic. I just I would say I don't think this trailer, to me, even though it gives you more of the plot, perhaps I don't think it necessarily was be- 
was more fun or grabbed me as much as the first trailer. Yeah, um, I think uh, in in terms in terms of what um, the trailer I thought of the trailer, it's it's you know you see, the only thing I really see new here is more uh, more focus on the antagonist, you know, Ronin Two Electric Boogaloo, which who cares? <laughs> Quite honestly, uh, at least based on this trailer, I don't. Um, um, and uh, I think this may and it's not like the other films that we've had of Reese of late don't hinge on certain things that we have seen from the Disney plus TV shows. But this one for sure is uh, going to be a good, you know, demarcation line or whatever of, of, of seeing whether or not, um, you know, if people who are just watching the films are going to be able to enjoy themselves um, given the connections uh, here with with the, the TV shows if they're not watch if they're not keeping up with those because uh, you know Monica from WandaVision and then Kamala from her obviously her own show so you know how do they how well are they introduced in this film or does it just kind of happen and you're supposed to be expecting to know who these characters are and go along for the ride I don't know uh, <clears throat> we'll see but this is this is definitely our big like you know kind of watching it and going do uh does uh is a prerequisite for watching the tv shows required now at this point uh at least up until the big one which is going to be new world order <laughs> uh because that definitely has to rely on you watching a tv show uh brave, at least brave, in my brave, mind brave new world chad it's brave new world now oh is it yes oh wow okay <laughs> From one, from one, which is funny, from one term or cliche that has certain meanings to a term that also has other meanings. <laughs> but yes, um, I I agree, I agree with you. This is a weird a weird test because of the fact that yes, they're can they're clearly they're canning a lot on the Kamala factor, even though that's a show. So spe- dealing with the Kamala, the Disney Plus and the Kamala stuff, the reality is. That's going to be an interesting test case because I think Kamala is going to be the POV character. I think that's the character they're going to want us to relate to. And Aman Vellani is so likable, it makes sense. However, it's also, a, which is why they, they're going to be playing that show on ABC because they're going to, they want to drum up general interest and knowledge of the character. I think we will get some background on her to, to help the audience in general, which is kind of like, um, even the whole thing when Carol Danvers says in the trailer, like, who's Kamala? And we know Nick and, and Monica go see Kamala. So I think they are going to give the audience a, at least a rough primer of who she is. And even taught and even in the trailers, you seem to discuss what her power set is. So I think they're going to work around that a little bit. But it is but it is interesting that, yes, the two characters, I think that they're counting on selling this movie. One character is from a TV uh, Marvel Disney Plus show that didn't really do particularly well rating-wise, so people did like it who watched it. And then the other one is a show that people did really like in WandaVision, but that was so damn long ago. That was literally the first show that ever, that ever came on Disney Plus for Marvel. And we really haven't seen we haven't even seen Monica since, other than in these trailers. Now I don't know. And in, in a few hours, we'll know whether she sh- whether she shows up or anybody shows up in the last episode of Secret Invasion. But if not, then literally this, these trailers are going to be the only real um, the next time in continuity that we've seen her since the very end of Wandavision. It's a very it's an odd kind of strategy. 
We'll see. I just think, I think for what they are, the trailers are fine. But I don't, I don't know if I don't know if it's pushed the envelope all that much to, to create interest interest in the project. It might make it look a little more fun than probably we would have imagined it might have been otherwise. Just in our heads was what we thought this was going to be like. But I also don't think it. But like you talked about related to the villain, if the I mean if the pro, if the threat really has to do with multiverse and incursions and things like that, and that's what's kind of going on here that that makes it more big stakes but you don't really get that from the trailer and it i don't think what we see in the trailer sells that this is a really important movie to have to rush out and see and i think nowadays in the market that we're in i think that's kind of a problem yeah for sure um i mean i think the obviously the big things out right now are barbie and oppenheimer which i want to go see oppenheimer but you know again schedule price all that stuff uh affordability yada 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 but i think um i don't know man i just think the both of the the companies to varying degrees are just dropping the balls on their on their um live action stuff um you know it makes me really curious uh you know just to very briefly circle back to the flash movie uh not to drag out time or anything that's fine the marketing of that movie and the, the the kind of word of mouth that that was gaining. And that was like, it was going to be the best superhero movie in a long time. It was tracking that way or some, I, you're, you're more privy to that stuff than I am, but it seemed like there was a lot of buzz around that film. Like it get ready. This is going to be great. This is going to be great. What the hell did DC do? Like what, what they were really trying to hype this movie up and even that didn't work. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I think. Well, the flash, I mean, the flash ultimately had a lot. They did have problems. And I think while it's one of the many excuses uh, and Corwin and I talked about some of this, too, that one of the many excuses people tried to make for the flash failing was because, of, hey, they because of the, you know, because of the strike. It's like they couldn't the writer strike. There was there were no late night talk shows. So you couldn't bring these people on to talk about the movie. And yeah, you could have had Michael Keaton on, you could have had Sasha Kaye on, you could, but obviously you weren't going to bring Ezra Miller on no matter what, because you, because you were still trying to avoid that whole hot potato and that, and that's a problem. The other, the other thing related to specifically what you said, we've seen so many movies. This is why people become numb to this. We have seen so many movies in which the initial reviews are, and the, the word of mouth is, Oh, this is so good. And then all the rest of the reviews come out and they're eh. So, so you have to think, honestly, the studio has like the studio either has, I don't mean that they're paying these people off to say positive things, but they either have in close inroads with certain critics and they basically just, just out of curiosity, you know, what we just wanted, like off the record, what do you think about this movie? And if they find people that really like the movie, then they say, hey, would you mind? Would you, would you mind putting your review out first? We'll give you permission, let's say, to break the embargo if you if you put your if you put your review out first if it's if the embargo still go you know happens to still be going on at the time. You have to think some of that happens because of the fact that we see this happen all the time. And you know, I think I thought the Flash overall, I I did like the Flash. So, but. And that's why I joked with Corwin about how, you know, the big winner of The Flash is Dwayne Johnson, because for all the people that gave me shit about Black Adam, 
Black Adam did a hell of a lot better at the box office than the Flash, and Black Adam is like a D, a D plus, a D or a C minus tier character in, in the eyes of comic book fans, certainly movie going comic book fans up to this point. So, uh, th- this movie should have done much better, but because of this incar- incarnation of the character too, it was hard to sell. I don't know related to the Marvels. I just, I don't quite understand. This was going to be a tough sell, no matter what. And I understand. I think I agree on one level that they, I think they're not wrong in thinking if there's a way to market this movie and to make people want to see it based on characters, Monica and Kamala are the way to go because Carol Danvers is not overly likable. And it's not, and we've talked about this too. It's not even just, we know Brie, the way that character was written for a reason in the first movie, she was as, energetic as a as a as a piece of loose leaf notebook paper but it doesn't change the fact that in every incarnation we've seen a captain marvel in every media form so far what if dr strange carol moore a captain marvel comes across as an unlikable douche all the time so she's not she's not a likable character period <laughs> so there's i think they're smart in trying to use monica who's really likable and kamala who's really likable but like you mentioned, it's characters that if you haven't been paying a lot of attention or you're not completely up to snuff on Dis- on Disney Plus Marvel shows, that that appeal might not be enough to put, put, to get you in the door. So it, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's it's a tough. It's gonna. It's tough. And again, if this movie again, if it does, and I assume if it's assuming it sticks to the November release date. We're only in the end of July, so it's probably you can take it to the bank considering they'll have another trailer since they since I was kind of surprised they released the second trailer so soon. You know, there has to be another trailer coming out If that trailer. If this movie is involving the multiverse in a big way, they better play it up in that trailer because the plot of the movie might help people be interested in it more than if they're just counting on those two, those two superheroes to help bring asses to the seats i don't know because again this seems like on the surface a movie that you could very easily skip if you have disney plus and just wait three months and watch it at home on the surface yeah yeah for sure all right what is next i think we're in the home stretch right we're just going to talk about comic-con stuff (laughs) Comic-Con, uh, which didn't have much of a presence uh, multimedia-wise uh, because of the the writers and the actors' strike going on right now, because I guess that means they're not allowed to promote new content yep. um, as part of those SAG rules. So, uh, But there was still some cool stuff out there to talk about. We're going to focus largely on the Green Lantern stuff. Uh, I did want to mention, just because Mark is going to have a joke or two to say, uh ram v signed exclusive to uh <laughs> to dc so that was cool to see so there you go um but there's also uh before we get in because I, I think and and hey thank you to our friend myron for always posting <laughs> the solicits yes on on blog about because that's going to make it super simple for us um but um i think what i want to start off with here is going to be Godzilla versus Kong or Godzilla versus Kong versus the Justice League. 
which is I think its official name, Justice League versus Godzilla versus, versus Kong. Kong. I think that is the I think that's the official title. <laughs> uh, Brian Bucciolatos are going to be our writer. It's uh, all this stuff I believe starts in October or thereabouts. Um, so. Uh, man, uh, there's, they actually put out a trailer for it on, online, uh, just showing a couple of the interior uh, panels and stuff like that set to some sound effects and stuff like that, that you would expect to see from MonsterVerse stuff, you know, got this Godzilla's footsteps and the roar and stuff like that. But yeah, it looks like Godzilla, uh, and King Kong are coming into the DC universe, uh, interrupting date night with Clark and Lois. And, uh, yeah, it says this list says what started as a routine clash between the Justice League and Legion of Doom takes a dangerous turn when the wall between worlds is breached with Godzilla Kong and the Monsterverse emerging on DC's Earth. So it'd be interested to see what other monsters may come through. Um, it almost (laughs) having them come through makes it almost kind of like, um, Pacific Rim esque. Uh, in my mind, that's what it reminds me of. Or, yeah. or uh, Doctor Strange in No Way Home. And they're coming through. It's starting to come through. It could, but be uh, no, yeah, I'm excited about it for sure. Yeah, it could be. It it could be fun. You like to think it at the worst case scenario, it's going to be no more. It's going to be a. Le- you like to think it's going to be as much fun, maybe as the Star Trek Green Lantern crossovers were. Yeah, and maybe true. maybe to a lesser extent the Plan of the Apes one. I don't think that was quite as effective, but they both they both but they were enjoyable enough that I uh, I hope they don't chef Kong like as much as they chef him in the movie. So we'll see, but at least it's it it should be fun in in a in a really kind of weird dopey kind of way, and uh, I'm probably a little more primed for it now because. Seemingly, unlike you, I've actually spent a lot of time on the Pluto Godzilla channel. Yeah. Watching movies that I, I've never in my, and never in my, I have heard of, but never in my life saw because they weren't part of the original 60s, early 70s, mid 70s Toho Godzilla movies, which they used to play all the time on TV. That, you know, I, last night I watched Godzilla vs. Destroyer for the first time. (laughs) They're pretty Uh, good, aren't they? They're not too bad. No, they're a little inconsistent about whether Godzilla's a good guy or a bad guy. It literally goes back and forth. It seems, seems from movie to movie. There's, there's certainly a big stretch of those movies where he's a bad guy, like with, with, it's like it was an odd thing seeing Mecha Godzilla be the good guy. (laughs) That was kind of, I was kind of, that was a striking difference. And then they had like the, the, but the next one, like what Tokyo SOS, whatever it was, which I never got to watch because I fell asleep. It was at a bad time. That's the only problem with the Pluto stuff. And I know they're on demand on Pluto, yeah. so you could watch, but I, but they do kind of play them in order most of the time. So it's kind of like you'd like to watch them the way they happen. But last night I watched versus destroyer because I hadn't seen that one before. And if I'm really getting, if I'm really concerned, I'm going to fall asleep. I go, I go onto IMDb or Wikipedia just to find out what the plot of the movie actually is, how it's going to play out just in case I doze off. Yeah. I, I, I think it could be fun. And at least yeah. we know we're going to get some, we're getting a bunch of things in, in the October, November ish frame. We don't know how they're going to be, but at least we'll have some interesting content, even if it's not going to be clearly all Green Lantern related, but still. Yeah, I when when this uh, when this announcement dropped, I said over on Twitter, we're covering this on the show. I don't give a damn what Mark says. Uh, and by that, I mean, Mark can either be there or not. <laughs> 
and we can either do multiple episodes per issue or per couple issues, or we can do one episode for the whole damn thing. But somehow, some way, we're talking about this series. <laughs> or what Chad really means is he's fired. <laughs> for good. Uh, one of the covers, because I was telling my brother-in-law about this when it came out, I was like, I'm just waiting to see what inane a name thing batman brings to this fight and if you look at the different variant covers on this one of them is godzilla clashing with a gigantic bat mech so can't wait to see that i guess (laughs) (laughs) uh that'll be dumb but then we go into our regular regularly scheduled uh, green lantern stuff we get our solicit for green lantern number 4 continuing on with the series uh sinestro uh, apparently attacks ferris air and he calls in how calls in someone for help and that is a flash team up uh we are also getting uh, a new character called sensen in this issue um as a prelude to an upcoming uh story by uh peter tomasi and david uh, La Fuente. Um, one thing interesting to note here, the main cover here seems to be done by Zermanico as you know, the main cover usually is, but there has been a theme and I've been talking about this on, on Twitter, but, um, and I refuse to call it X fuck you, Elon Musk. Um, the, uh, there's been a theme every issue so far of the main Green Lantern series. And I'm not talking about the, this does not include the two night terrors issues. Uh, there has been at least one variant cover of Hal Jordan pictured with jets. Issue one had one variant cover. Issue two had one. Issue three is going to have two different variant covers that both feature Hal and jets. Um, but it looks like the main cover for Green Lantern four is a kind of you're on the ground looking up at Flash and, and Hal. And then there's some jets flying overhead as well. So that's pretty cool. Definitely want to get the main cover then on this one. No, it's it's nice work, and it's better and it's better than the and the the Godzilla Kong roar variant, which will cost like fifteen bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, God. Uh, I don't think I've seen that one, but I want to take a look at it because I'm definitely going to be looking at all the covers for that one. For, um, what God, for which one? Godzilla and Kong. Godzilla Kong. Godzilla Kong Justice League. Yeah. Fifteen dollars for um, the cover is nuts. <laughs> Uh, hey, how much were those foil variants for Green Lantern number one with the different core logos on them? Oh yeah, but those, but that was the exclu- That was just exclusive to like one one place or one shop or whatever. I think yeah. this is, but it's uh yeah fifteen to fifteen to fourteen ninety nine for the Godzilla Roar Sound FX co- gatefold variant cover and the same for the Kong Roar Sound gatefold variant cover. Well, if I get any either, I'm obviously getting Godzilla. But, yeah. Um, so then we also get the solicit for Green Lantern War Journal, which is number two. Um, that's the main series that's going to be uh, our our backups in issues one through three is going to be leading into. John Stewart apparently is traveling to Metropolis to meet with Steelworks, which is an ongoing series over at DC, which features Steel and some other characters. And apparently they're on Earth Zero and hunting for John. He's stripped of his ring and unaware of the danger he's in. And apparently this will also get the uh, identity of the Revenant Queen in this issue as well. So there is that. I don't know if you want to talk any bit about that other than, I mean, yeah. we, we don't have a lot to go on based on the backups that we've seen. And, right. You know, I don't know. I, it sounds on the surface, it sounds like it should be more intriguing to me than it is. I think 
the fact, you know, Earth Zero stripped of his ring, of course, if it's John Stewart, then he shouldn't even need his ring at this point to be, still have power. Uh, and it's like, I don't know. I, of the many solicits on this page, I got to tell you, uh, that's not the one, that one doesn't pump me. <laughs> not the one that concerns me the most, but it's the, it's the one that, it doesn't, it doesn't excite me. Yeah. No, I'm with you there. Uh, but that, that obviously, honestly has the most potential to change my excitement based on the next entry we get into the backup and then the, obviously the first issue when it comes out. Um, so, uh, to be seen, to be continued with, uh, with that, with War Journal. Mark's favorite, uh, uh, World's Finest is continuing with issue 20. Uh, Mark Wade and Dan Mora, which I've been loosely keeping up with, you know, here and there, not like on the top of my read pile, but, you know, every now and then I'll read a couple issues at a clip. Uh, apparently the, the the multiversal barrier is going to j- open up in this one and uh, our characters are going to come face to face with the world of kingdom come, uh, which our cover image for world's finest number 20 is going to is showing us not only kingdom come Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, but also our uh, green lantern of that world with his armor, his battery and his chest and all. And it's Dan Moore art, so it looks pretty damn good, too. Yeah, it doesn't does not does nothing for me. I like Kingdom. I like <laughs> no Kingdom. Come, I like Kingdom Come to a large extent, but yeah, that, again, it, it technically isn't Hal. You know, it should be Alan. So it's it's it, it's it's another non-entry point. It's not going to pump me to go on it. I'm not saying I won't. I wouldn't flip through it, but it's not something that I'm excited. I'm excited for. Uh, Justice Society of America number eight has been solicited. We're not going to talk much about that because, Mm-mm. you know, at some point I'd like to mention the JSA series on the show, but, you know, maybe it'll be a segment or something. I don't know if Mark's going to want to cover any of this, but the cover does look pretty cool. We have a really cool JSA image here. Um, uh, so I encourage people to check that out because Alan looks pretty great on this cover as, as does the rest of the JSA. If you're a fan of the JSA, um, Spectre looks weird. Yeah, the there's a there's obviously it's Mikhail Janin, so his his art is you know a little specific to him. You can he's one of those artists that when you look at it, you know it's him. Um, and then we get our Alan Scott the Green Lantern number one by Tim Sheridan and Cian Tormi. Um, and this one we've heard about because we're also getting a Jay Garrick series and a Sandman series, which also got their solicits. Uh, both actually sound pretty good. Um, so I'm, I think I'm going to try at least the first issue of all three of these, uh, and obviously continue getting Alan Scott one, but, um, Alan Scott's early days as the Green Lantern are seen in a new light. The Green Lantern is the most powerful member of the JSA, beloved by all America, but his personal life is a well-kept secret. This is a story about love and about, uh, this is a story about love, about fear, and most of all about courage to stand up to that fear. Um, Alan Scott's past is the key to his future when the Red Lantern appears, ready to strike down the mighty Green Lantern. So that is our first, uh, entry into this. Uh, new Alan Scott. It says one of six, so it's a mini series. But I guess, like with everything, sales it could be bumped out to eight issues or twelve or ongoing. It, I guess it really depends on how it does. The synopsis for this does not dissuade any uh, concerns about wh- what the focus of this book was going to be on. Now it doesn't blatantly. I don't think it, you have to be a detective to read into probably where they're going with this. But I'm just saying it doesn't have. I'm playing devil's advocate to say it doesn't have to go down the go down that road, 
But it certainly seems like, once again, they're, they're going to be going down the trope that, hey, did we mention Alan Scott's gay? You sure that you know he's gay, right? We're going to just in case you forgot. Now, that might not be. It may not be what the main focus of this book is, but it certainly sounds like it's the way to bet. <laughs> and that's and again, I don't I don't I don't care who the character is. And, I, and it'd be the same way if they were straight, actually, too, that if that's all you have to say about the character, then that's not really much to say about the character. And if that's really thought, if this is going to be Alan Scott's lot in the DCU that, hey, it's like maybe like once every 10 issues, we'll just have an, a superhero story with Alan Scott but in which we don't touch, touch on this subject at all. But the other nine times we're going to touch up on it, maybe two issues subtly and then another seven right in your face. I don't know. I I have I have a great deal of concerns. Plus, even the early days as the Green Lantern are seen in a new light, which just reeks of retcon, retcon, even more retconning. So. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Speaking of Alan Scott, we'll be getting our a really cool thing, which I highly recommend people purchase. I think I'm when I saw the solicit, I think I was like thinking of getting like five copies, maybe. Um, All American Comics number 16 facsimile edition. Uh, facsimile editions, if you guys out, are out there aren't, um, haven't purchased one before, not only is it a reprint of the issue itself in terms of the cover, in terms of the interior art on the pages and stuff like that, it's also, I believe, I don't have any of my facsimiles here with me, um, but uh, a reprint of the ads and everything too, the letters pages and, and things like that as well. Um, so if you would love to have all American comics, number 16 in your collection, um, go ahead and pick up, uh, the facsimile edition. It's going to be seven bucks, uh, when it comes out, it's going to come out at the end of October on the 24th. Um, but I'm excited for this. Uh, it's about time. All American comics got a facsimile edition. I know showcase 22 did, and I think actually green lantern number one did as well. Um, uh, the Silver Age Green Lantern number one. So it'd be interesting to see if we get the Golden Age Green Lantern number one facsimile edition. If we haven't already, don't remember if we have or haven't. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Are you gonna get this? I don't know. I might. Uh, it's certainly. I would probably strongly consider this one. I don't. It would be. A, it would be a cool. It would be a cool thing to have. So I think that would be. Uh, I would probably aim to get that one. Um, more, more than the Kyle Rayner compendium. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm actually, we'll talk about that in a sec. Um, cause I actually, cause I wanted to end with that, but, uh, Green Lantern, the Silver Age Omnibus number one of the 2023 edition is coming out. It's going to be a thousand pages for $125. I'm, I'm, it's, it's coming out in November, actually at the end of November. I'm, I'm done with Green Lantern Silver Age omnibuses. They have done, um, the silver age omnibuses of various DC characters again and again and again, and they never fucking finish an age. They get a couple of volumes in or three or four volumes in, but they never wrap the damn age and they never finish the collection. And then before they finish the collection, you get a new announcement like this 
where they solicit this and, and kind of start doing this again and updating with a new edition and re-releasing the whole thing again. And I guarantee you we're going to get to a point where they're not going to finish the damn age. Uh, and it pisses me off. So Green Lantern and, and DC Comics has completely lost me on all Silver Age reprint omnibus editions. I am I'm done with it, whether they do it in the uh, what was it? The the Chronicles, Green Lantern Chronicles, the was the trade paperback uh, volumes, or they do it in hardcover omnibuses. I am done buying the Silver Age in reprints like these volumes because they never finish it. I can understand that. Yeah. And as you mentioned, Green Lantern Kyle Rayner Rising Compendium. Uh, this is going to be on sale. It's a soft cover for $60. Uh, and it's on sale again also in November on the 21st. It is going to include not only Green Lantern Zero, but Green Lantern 48 through 65, Rebels 94, number one, New Titans uh, 116 and 117, which I believe is the Simon stuff, um, as well as 124 and 125, Guy Gardner Warrior 27 through 28, Dark Stars 34, and Damage 16. Um, I'm down for this because I actually didn't end up getting those Kyle Rayner um, uh, volume one and volume two trade paperbacks, which I think you did, right? I actually did. I, I don't know if I did get those. I'm trying to think if I did, I would have only got the first one. The second one, the second one of those is the one that had the parallel, the parallax view cover, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I honestly would have to double check if I have either one of those. But at least those covered gr- mostly Green Lantern issues. I think to me the big problem with this is that these are like all hodgepodge hodge, appropriately enough. With the exception of the great Green Lantern Zero, there's a whole lot of hodgepodge with Rebels. And uh, even though I guess it does have Green Lantern 48 to 65. I almost, uh, so let me take that back. Uh, I, I, I glossed over that because of the way it's just offset. That makes that makes it a little more appealing, I guess. Now that I'm, but I guess the rebels and the, the the new titans and I'm trying to remember which one was what was Warrior twenty seven and twenty eight was that when they were fighting Major Force? Mm-hmm. I, that's the only thing I could think of. Let me, let me pull up my CLZ app because I I did recently, and I say recently because I don't think I mentioned it on the show. I have finally finished my Warrior series. I have all issues now. Yeah, um, I think I think it is. It's capital. It's capital punishment. Yeah, capital punishment. Yeah, and then you you definitely see Kyle. Yeah, twenty eight is it, capital punishment, and two of three, which has Kyle on the cover and Major Force. So yes, twenty eight is twenty eight is the one with both, right? Yes. Yeah, that's what I. That's what that's what I assumed it would be, just because. Yep. Just because that's the only storyline that of the only real crossover with warrior that i remember that that kyle would yeah i mean i would i would so it's like you're you're giving it crap a little bit for all this hodgepodge stuff that's actually why i want it yeah because if 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 anybody were to come over to my house and go through my comics and my long boxes my green lantern kyle rayner run uh that i do have because i'm still missing issues but everything i do have in the kyle rayner run also has these issues i made a point to go find these issues and include them in 
the long box where they would chronologically be in release order. So I have these new Teen Titans, the, the, the these new Titans issues. I have Dark Stars. I have Damage. I have the Rebels 94 issue. And they are in chronological order as you're flipping through the comics. Once you get to the Kyle Rayner run, they're mixed in there with the Green Lantern issues. So this is right up my alley. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, look at, looking at looking at what now, especially now that I know for sure that it's including 48 to 65. So you get all the Emerald Twilight issues too. And you get Emerald, you get Parallax view and, and Green Lantern Zero. That, that, those are big, those, those are big reasons why I would consider it as long. And the Guy Gardner Warrior crossover too. I just I honestly don't know if I want to spend 60 on it, but that's I do that. because I'm looking at my shelf here and I have zero Kyle Rayner stuff on my shelf. I mean, I've got zero hour here. And I've got actually, you know what? I could take that back. I've got Emerald Knights and I've got Emerald Allies. And I've also obviously got the power of Ion. But that's all pretty pretty later stuff in the run. Except for Zero Hour, of course. So yeah, I I uh, I am severely lacking in having uh, a significant presence of Kyle Rayner on my on my shelf. I've got plenty of Kyle Rayner in my long boxes, but in terms of something I can readily pull off the shelf to read, I am missing, sorely missing some Kyle Rayner. And this is, man, the fact that it's going to be in one big volume, this is actually a relatively decent price. Um, I'm really glad they did soft cover instead of hard cover because that just immediately amps the price up to, well, with seven, with 704 pages. Okay. So this, this Green Lantern, uh, re, reissue of the silver age omnibus is a thousand pages at 125 this is only 704 if they were to do this in hardcover i could easily seeing it be be going for like a hundred dollars or something like that that be the price they're trying to charge for this thing soft cover way to go i'm getting the the issues the way i want to see them with these kind of smattering things that are happening in chronological order mixed in with this thing it's I'm pre- presuming it is recolored or or at least, you know, enhanced in some way. Obviously, we're not getting the actual ads and ad breaks and stuff like that. This is this is everything I'm looking for in a Kyle Rayner Green Lantern compendium, honestly. No, I can I could certainly see that. I'm I think the other reason that would give me less pause a more pause, I should say, make me less gung ho is just the fact that I do have a the majority of the issues I care about in that grouping I, I already have loose. Now yes, it'd be nice to have them all together where you don't and one not just not just like you said in a in a box or in a in a tub or something where you know, hey, this all these issues are together literally in one volume. So all you have to do is it's like having the it's like having the death and return of Superman or just the return of Superman and we'll figure out how they grouped it together. I think it was just the return. Yeah. That having all the reign of the Superman in one friggin' volume, so you can just flip through and not have to go through the issues, even though you know you have the issues. So I can yeah. I can definitely see the appeal and see the appeal. I mean, and 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 I have to say, you know, at the end of I think it's the end towards the end of August, we're supposed to get it be getting that Green Lantern core, you know, the Tomasi and Gleason uh, omnibus. Oh yeah, that's uh, true. Co- coming out and then. Uh, so I'm going to have to make some room on my shelf. But like as much as I love those omnibuses and I'm definitely getting the Green Lantern Corps uh, one when I have a chance. 
they're kind of a bitch to read because like, look, man, my Greenland, I have all three volumes of the Green Lantern Jeff Johns omnibuses. I have all of them. Have I actually taken them off the shelf to read them straight through? No, because it's a bitch to read a big ass hardcover omnibus like this. You can't read it laying in bed, <laughs> you know, uh, you kind of have to put it on a table and make an effort to lean over and read uh, that whole thing. So, um, uh, but they are cool. And, but, and again, that's exactly why this Kyle Rayner companion is right up my alley because this I can read easily in a lot of different places as opposed to those big ass hardcover on Dubai. Agreed. Oh, and also don't forget in August, we're supposed to be getting that Nort swimsuit suit issue special. <laughs> yeah, I'll continue not to remember that at all. <laughs> uh, but I think we succinctly did all of that, huh? We're done. Yeah, we're done. I think I think you're right. right. (sighs) Breathe a sigh of relief. Yes. (laughs) If people want to reach out to us, how do they do so? Lanterncast.com, the website. That's the website. Lanterncast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag GLCast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher's apparently dying, right, Chad? (laughs) That is correct. At the end of August, I believe, is but. I think they were bought by Pandora slash XM radio. So maybe we'll be on Pandora. I don't know. Yeah. I read that email tonight. It's it's kind of a little confusing about whether, whether the old, whether the new stuff carries over or whether just the old catalog. I I guess we're going to find out. I mean, so I, I guess the answer to the question is we're on Stitcher to the end of August. And then we probably will in some way or shape or form. We know some of this show is going to be on Pandora. The question is whether all of it going forward will be, I suppose. Uh, but whatever platforms you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a text or voicemail, 708 Lantern. Lanterncast Vids is our YouTube channel. And if you're still looking for our Discord information, lanterncast at gmail.com. All right, everybody. Good night. Good night.